Section 35 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Patrick Randall. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2, by Father Louis de Segur. The Dixit Dominus. This psalm, which is the hundred and ninth, is well known to the faithful because the Church sings it always on Sundays and feast days at the beginning of the evening office. It is a magnificent prophecy which exalts the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ as the conqueror of Satan in his own divine person at his first coming and as the conqueror of Satan in his church and in all his elect throughout all ages, but especially at his second coming. The Lord said to my Lord, Dixit Dominus Domino Meo. God the Father is Lord, as God the Son is Lord, as God the Holy Ghost is Lord. Nevertheless, the Son of God, having become the King of this world by the mystery of his incarnation, is henceforth our Lord and Master by a double title. Thus we say in the Creed, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ. Jesus, notwithstanding his sacred humanity, by which he became the minister of God and his most perfect servant, is eternally equal in all things, to the Father and the Holy Ghost. He is God, and as his humanity is united to his divinity in one indivisible person who is divine, eternal, and almighty, the Father says to his well-beloved Son, risen and ascending into heaven, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Sede a dextris meis, donec ponam inimicos tuos scabellum pedum tuorum. God has neither right nor left, since he is a pure spirit. The right hand of God signifies complete equality in power and glory, and a full participation in the eternal royalty of the Father. Neither is Jesus Christ seated in celestial glory, for heaven is an ineffable state, quite different to earth. Even glorified bodies have no relation, no resemblance, to what we see here below. Thus, in heaven, bodies no longer occupy space. They have an existence which St. Paul calls spiritual, corpus spiritale, 
a divine supernatural condition which finite minds cannot conceive, and from which it follows, amongst other things, that our Lord can be and is truly and entirely present in every consecrated host in the whole world, and that in breaking or in moving the sacred host, the divine celestial body of our Lord is neither moved nor broken. We break the sacrament, but bold and firm thy faith shall keep its hold. Deem not the whole doth more enfold than in the fractured part resides. Deem not the Christ doth broken lie, tis but the sign that meets the eye, the great unseen reality in all its fullness still abides. The enemies of Jesus Christ are the impious, the unbelieving, the sinful, and all who willfully oppose the law and the church of God. At the present day, as in all ages, Jesus Christ has many enemies. Revolutionary spirits who attack the papacy and the church. Governments which endeavor to stamp out even the semblance of religion from their councils. Men who dive so deeply into the wonders of creation that they become bewildered by the very vastness of the divine conceptions and end by denying the God from whom they have received the power to reason or think at all. Systems of education based upon the false assumption that any amelioration in the condition of the poor is to be effected by a purely secular teaching which leaves those better, higher impulses that exist even in the most degraded of mankind, neglected and uncultivated, whilst the whole history of the human race will prove that religion and civilization go ever hand in hand. And lastly, false Christians, unworthy Catholics, who attack or abandon what they profess to respect and thus furnish dangerous weapons for the enemies of Jesus Christ and of his holy church. The most terrible of all the enemies of Jesus will be the Antichrist. St. Paul calls him the eldest son of Satan. He will reign for a time over the whole earth. He will persecute the church. He will call himself the Christ and will work miracles by the power of Satan in so much as to deceive even the elect. But at the moment when everything will seem to be lost, our Lord will appear in the majesty of his glory and will crush his enemy, as well as his most guilty followers, and, as the psalm adds, shall send forth the rod of his power out of Sion. Virgam virtutis tue emitet dominus ex Sion. 
for, according to ancient traditions, it will be at Sion upon Mount Calvary that our Lord will forever subdue the Antichrist and Satan. And, as at his first coming it was from Jerusalem that the militant church went forth to conquer the world and to fight the good fight, so at the second coming, which will probably not be a moment, but an epoch like the first, an epoch of universal glory and triumph for the Holy Church, an epoch of repose after the combat, the Sabbath of the great week which will precede the Sunday of eternity. So, I say, at the second coming of the Redeemer, it is from Jerusalem, the holy city, the city of Jesus and of Mary, that salvation, glory, and the life eternal shall be poured forth like a torrent of love over the whole earth. Then, Satan being vanquished and bound, as St. John says, all the world will be Christian. There will be only one fold and one shepherd, and Jesus will reign supremely over all his creatures. It is this which is foretold in the Dixit Dominus. Rule thou, the Father says to him, in the midst of thine enemies. Dominare in medio inimicorum tuorum. For the principle of all triumph, all strength, and all sanctity is in thyself. Tecum principium. Thou art the Lord. In die virtutis tue in splendoribus sanctorum. In the day of thy power, amid the brightness of the saints. This triumphal day of Jesus Christ is, first, the day of his resurrection and his glorious ascension, and still more is it the day of his second coming, the day of the great triumph and resurrection of his church, when he shall establish her forever amid the brightness of the saints. And the saints are all the elect, the great prophets, apostles, martyrs, and servants of Jesus Christ, who shall arise gloriously at the moment of his coming, and after having shared his combats, shall participate in the triumph of their head. If we are but faithful to our Lord till death, we shall reign with him forever. The psalm adds to the glory of Jesus Christ these beautiful words, which proclaim his precedence over every creature and his eternal priesthood. Ex utero ante luciferum genuite, juravit dominus et non penitebit eum, tu es sacerdos in eternum. From the womb before the day-star have I begotten thee. 
it is always God the Father who speaks to his Son. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent, thou art a priest for ever. Jesus Christ, the incarnate Word, the Son of God and of the Blessed Virgin, is, as St. Paul says, the firstborn of every creature, not in the order of time, but in the order of grace, and of the reign of God over his creatures. In this sense, Jesus is the first and the chief. He was before Mary, before David, before Abraham, before Adam and Eve, before every creature, before the light, before the angels, and before Lucifer, the first and highest of the angels, who refused to acknowledge and adore the Son of God in the Son of Mary, who desired to usurp the universal royalty of Jesus, and who, as a punishment for this sacrilege, was and is and will forever be cast down from heaven to earth, vanquished by his Lord and our Lord, Jesus Christ. At the second coming, Lucifer and the world will both be vanquished by us, the living members of the King of Glory. Jesus Christ is a priest forever, because he is the mediator between God and men, the mediator who gives God to men, and unites men to God, who offers to the divine majesty a perpetual sacrifice of adoration, thanksgiving, prayer, and pardon, who teaches truth and religion to men, who blesses, consoles, sanctifies, and saves them, and such is the ministry of the priest. Jesus Christ is, at the same time, the great Creator, the living God, the only Lord, the King, the Priest, and the Savior of men. He is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, secundum ordinem Melchizedek, like unto the mysterious King of Salem, who offered up for Abraham a singular sacrifice of bread and wine. Jesus Christ instituted on Holy Thursday in the Chanaculum, under the form and the appearances of bread and wine, the sacrifice of the new alliance, in which he perpetually immolates himself on our altars until the end of the world, in the hands and by the ministry of his priests. Jesus is the eternal priest and the Eucharistic victim. His ministers are priests only because he communicates to them his own divine priesthood in the sacrament of holy orders. 
Dominus adextris tuis, confregit in die irre sue reges. O Father omnipotent, thy divine Son is therefore at thy right hand, and it is he who shall overthrow kings in the day of his wrath. The day of God's wrath is, generally speaking, the day in which the sinner receives the punishment due to his sins, whether it be in this world or the next. But it is, more especially, the day upon which Jesus shall come again in glory, and shall strike with a single blow the Antichrist and the ten kings of whom the Scripture speaks. The words of the psalm also refer to the fallen spirits, with Satan at their head, whom our Lord shall cast down forever upon that great and terrible day. Then Jesus shall become the sole judge, the supreme judge, of all the nations of the earth. Judicabit in nationibus. He will wholly destroy, from one end of the world to the other, all the works of the devil. He will annihilate all evil, and will establish everywhere that primitive order, that divine harmony, which in Eden constituted the happiness of unfallen man. The whole earth will become, upon this seventh day of the world, the great terrestrial paradise, the great kingdom of Jesus Christ. And the joyful church will forget, beneath the peaceful scepter of the divine Solomon, the cruel enemies whom she was forced to encounter in that onward march which led her to this perfect day, this great Eastertide, this glorious resurrection. Her humiliations and her griefs are now no more. Their measure will be henceforth the measure of her immutable glory. De torrente in via bibet, propterea exaltabit caput. The accomplishment of this great prophecy is to be seen from the first conquest of Jesus Christ, in the person of his martyrs, even until that day so greatly to be desired, when it will be perfectly accomplished by the complete and universal triumph of Jesus Christ and of his holy Church. With what sentiments of hope and Christian enthusiasm, with what lively and consoling faith, should we sing this beautiful psalm if we did but reflect a little on the great events which it proclaims. End of section 35